CNN's Don Lemon and two talking head sidekicks spend nearly a minute and a half of airtime laughing about how stupid they think half of Americans are. We examine why leftists love humanity, but always seem to hate actual humans. Then liberal Democrat Alan Dershowitz demolishes House Democrats' impeachment case in a little under three minutes. Liz Warren throws a Hail Mary, Hillary threatens to run again, heaven forfend, and Drag Queen Story Hour is coming to a public school near you. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. If you ever wondered what the mainstream media really think of you, you need to look no further than CNN's Don Lemon. I know we, we're always knocking the mainstream media and those left-wing cable news networks, and maybe sometimes people think it's unfair, we're a little too harsh on them. We're not. We're not. They hate your guts, and CNN's Don Lemon finally admitted it in a segment, it lasted almost a minute and a half, of them just laughing at Trump supporters, at half of America, calling them rubes, calling them idiots. They could barely get the words out because they were laughing so hard. Here's just the first part of it. He also knows deep in his heart that Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience, uh, you know, the, the, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one and they're y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. <laughs> All right, now there's the turn, right? So at the very beginning, Don Lemon cracks up. He cracks up so much at his head. He put, puts his head down on the desk. He just keeps laughing. He keeps laughing. And the person who was speaking there, Rick Wilson, is a kind of fake Republican. He was a former Republican strategist who then in 2016 was so offended by Trump, he worked on that independent candidate, Evan McMullen's campaign. He was colloquially referred to as the Egg McMuffin campaign. And uh, he ran that, obviously didn't go anywhere. And now he spends all of his time knocking Republicans and conservatives on CNN. So it starts out, he makes this thing, he says, it's defined by ignorance. Republicans couldn't even find Ukraine on a map. Now, just a little note here. Republicans know a lot about maps because, for instance, we found Wisconsin on a map in 2016, which is why Trump won and Hillary lost. I digress. He makes the point, and then Rick Wilson is going to go on. But Don Lemon is the one who keeps the joke going. D Don Lemon is the one who is encouraging this whole thing. And that's the real problem here. When the commentators come on, when the guests come on these, these talk news shows, they often go a little further than the anchor does, right? That's kind of their purpose there is they come on and they have more personality. They inject more opinion into it. And the anchor is supposed to be there to be the anchor. But on CNN, it's exactly the opposite. CNN is the one encouraging this to break down. I mean, Don Lemon here is breaking down and behaving in this childish way in a play for ratings. He's done this many, many times. And it does play for ratings in the same way that a screaming child gets attention. But in the long run, that's not the kind of attention you want because people are not going to take you seriously. Ultimately, that wears pretty thin. So he encourages him. And this is where the segment really, really looks bad for CNN and really looks bad for the left and gives us a little glimpse into why the left loves humanity and hates actual humans. Because as Don Lemon is laughing, Rick Wilson thinks he's got to play to his audience now. So he puts on this Southern accent to show the dumb, rude, idiot 
Trump voter who can't identify nothing on a map or nothing, right? So he goes on with this. And then the third guy, Wajahat, Wajahat, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, he, he goes on and he, he starts getting in on the joke as well. You elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling, even though my your path and your reading. Yeah, you're reading, you know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte. All those lines on the map. Uh, only them elitists know where Ukraine is. Sorry, I apologize. But by, but by the way, Ukraine. Oh my God. But, but, but you know what? But, but it was Rick's fault. I blame Rick. Oh but you know, but. Now, Wajahat Ali, he's the only one of these three who actually realizes this doesn't look good. Of all these three knuckleheads on CNN, Wajahat Ali is the one who, after he makes this the same joke, right? It's just the same joke over and over, which is that Trump supporters are stupid. Half of America is stupid. He says, oh, they can't find anything on a map. They can't spell. Ha, 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 ha. It's the same joke. But he realizes, gosh, it doesn't look good if a bunch of us from CNN, these media elites, are going on condescending and making fun of Half of America doesn't look good. So he says, hey, hey, Rick started it. Not me. Okay, Rick started it. I blame Rick. And then he starts to move on as though they're going to continue the segment. But they don't even let it go there. Don Lemon finally gets it together at the end, but they keep laughing. Honestly, but all, you, blame you Rick. Why not? Sorry, hold on. You, wait, wait. Can yeah, I tell give you me what, a second. You, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> that was good. Sorry. Rick, you, that you, was a good one. I needed that. Okay, the funny thing about it was that it wasn't actually a good one. It was fine. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's kind of a basic joke, but it's a joke, right? It's a, it's a chuckle joke. It's not a guffaw joke. It's not a laugh for 90 seconds joke. It's a like sort of, oh, ha ha, okay, moving on. They dragged it out so far. The reason that they're laughing this much is not because the joke is 90 seconds funny. It's about nine seconds funny. The other 81 seconds of laughing is not because the joke is funny. It's because of how much these guys in the media despise conservatives, despise half of America. They truly do not like you. <laughs> they do not like half of their countrymen, and they're mocking them that much because of it. Now, at first, Wajahat Ali the, the guy on CNN, the only guy on CNN who sort of understood it wasn't a great look, he doubled down. So he, he tweeted out, quote, in response to an article that said Wajahat Ali and Rick Wilson and Don Lemon trashed Trump supporters as ignorant rubes, he said, we did. Not going to apologize for it either. If you're willing to believe and promote these absurd and dangerous lies, well, you deserve to be mocked for it. I, he doesn't identify what the absurd and dangerous lies are, but he owns it. He says, yes, we were mocking and trashing Trump supporters as ignorant rubes. He got a lot of criticism for that. When that didn't work, he did what leftists always do. He played the victim. So he tweeted out right away, quote, Trump tweeted our CNN clip from two days ago. Friends are now concerned about my safety. I refuse to be intimidated and bullied by bad faith actors who cry fake victimhood whining about a harmless, silly 30-second clip while endorsing Trump, a cruel vulgarian who debases everyone. Okay, nothing about what he just tweeted out was true, right? First of all, it wasn't a 30-second clip, it was a 90-second clip. But also, who's worried about your safety? That's not what happened at all. 
That's not what happened at all. You mocked half of America and you thought it was really, really funny. And then some people on Twitter mocked you and you cried and you whined and you pretended that you were in physical danger. Give me a break. There are some big takeaways here that the left would do well to consider, but I think really helps the right understand the way that the left thinks about us. But first, I've got to thank our friends over at Tacova's Cowboy Boots. Oh, man. Tacova's Cowboy Boots, a new and wonderful and timely sponsor because I just launched a podcast with a certain senator from Texas. So you know I had to get some cowboy boots. Tacova's Cowboy Boots are handmade with high quality, full grain leathers by world class boot makers. They are built to be comfortable right out of the box. This was the biggest thing for me. All right, I haven't worn cowboy boots a whole lot in my life, but I saw the Tacovis catalog and I just thought they looked absolutely phenomenal. They looked so, so cool. So I ordered this pair. I, I didn't have to break them in at all. They were just comfortable right out of the box. And now they have really cool, ambitious leathers. So if you want, you can get like ostrich leather. I think that one looks incredibly cool. But all their leathers look really, really great. Do what I did. Get yourself a pair of Tacovas cowboy boots today at tacovas.com slash Knowles. I love it. Handmade, really, really high quality. And because they're selling direct to you, they can give you prices that you are not going to get in retail stores. Just really a tremendous product. That's Tacovas T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, tacovas.com slash Knowles. Absolutely great boots. Get yourself a pair. Okay, big takeaways here. That clip from CNN on Don Lemon's show was not from last night. That's a two-day-old clip. So why is it only making the rounds now? It took two days to percolate because no one watches CNN. Okay, we have people, we have left-wing media operatives who watch and listen to this show along with every other Daily Wire show, along with virtually every other conservative show on the air every single day. They're watching it all the time. Why are they watching it? Because the conservative shows matter. The conservative shows are engaging audiences. I mean, again, not to, not to toot my own horn, really, the vast majority of it was Senator Ted Cruz. We launched this podcast, Verdict with Ted Cruz, the other day. It immediately jumped to the top of the charts. Number, number one in the country. You don't see CNN podcasts jumping to number one in the country because nobody's watching CNN. The only people who watch CNN are the people who are forced to do that in airports. <laughs> Otherwise, it's nobody at all. It just doesn't, doesn't matter as much for them. So it finally makes the rounds and it comes out here. And they, they double down on it. I mean, that's the part that's so crazy to me. They realize it's not a good look, but they double down. They had the opportunity to apologize, and they didn't. And then Wajahat Ali, when doubling down didn't work, he plays the victim. And somehow, when you go on national television and mock half your countrymen as a bunch of dumb idiots who are just not even worth talking to because they can't even spell, somehow that makes you the victim, according to leftist logic. Because according to left-wing logic, the, the liberal, the progressive, the leftist can never be the oppressor or the tyrant. It's simply not possible. They're the ones trying to go toward progress. So anything they do has to be good. And therefore, if they're ever getting negative feedback for something they say, it has to be that they are the victim. I wish Wajahat Ali would just maybe consider for a moment the, the alternative option, which is to apologize. And if you don't want to apologize, just, I don't know, keep your mouth shut for two days and don't pretend that one guy on Twitter being mean to you or 
or a number of guys on Twitter being mean to you is putting you in physical danger. It's just not true. You see actually another example of this in the media. It happened not specifically with regard to conservatives, but it happened in the Washington Post right after the death of Kobe Bryant. Felicia Sonmez is a national political reporter for the Washington Post. On Sunday, hours after the news breaks that Kobe Bryant and his daughter and seven other people were killed tragically in this helicopter crash, she tweets out an article about Kobe Bryant's rape case. It's a headline, Kobe Bryant's disturbing rape case, the DNA evidence, the accuser's story, and the half confession. Now, this refers to a case in 2003. Kobe Bryant was accused of rape. He was never convicted of rape because the woman who accused him withdrew the charge. She refused to testify. Kobe Bryant maintained his innocence the whole time, that he ended up coming to some sort of settlement, and he apologized to her for what he continued to maintain was a consensual sexual encounter. Obviously not a good look if you're married anyway, but he, he still, there's, there's really no evidence here that he, he raped somebody. And this is, this is before his body's even cold, that this, this reporter decides in the, the whole life of this man, she is going to go after him for the worst accusation you could possibly put up against him. This is a theme with the left. They've been doing this for at least 250 years. We're going to be discussing this very topic on an upcoming episode of my PragerU show, The Book Club, because there's a whole book about this called The Intellectuals. But going all the way back to the first leftist ever, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, back in the 18th century, all the way up through Karl Marx, up through Jean-Paul Sartre in the 20th century, all these very prominent leftists, the thing you notice about them is they judge everybody else by those people's worst moments, the worst flaws they ever had, and yet they never apply that same standard to themselves. They judge themselves by their best intentions. <laughs> it's, it's, it, they can do no wrong, and it's the same on CNN. It's the same in the Washington Post. We'll get to that in a second. First, got to thank our friends over at CarShield. Oh my gosh, do I wish that I had CarShield about three months ago. This was before I knew about CarShield, before CarShield came on the show, and I put a lot of money into my car, and my car kept on breaking down, and I did not have the right coverage that I should have. Cars today, the thing you got to understand, they are like computers on wheels, okay? It's not like the old days when you could just go out with a wrench and, uh, and fix up your car by clicking this doohickey or that. I don't know. I've never worked on a car in my life, but that's what my father and my uncles tell me you used to be able to do. From electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. All this tech, very, very expensive to fix if and when it breaks. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. With CarShield, you get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. I love them. I really, really trust these guys. Right now, head on over to carshield.com and enter the code Knowles. That's K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Make sure you do that. Do not wait until your check engine light goes on. You can also car 800, call 800 car 6000 and mention the code Knowles when you call and you will save 10%. Carshield.com, use the code Knowles, save 10%. That is carshield.com, code Knowles, a deductible may apply. The left has been doing this all the time. If you look at the most prominent leftists in history, all the way back to Rousseau and Marx and Sartre and all these guys, they're always terribly cruel to the people around them. 
or always terribly cruel to acquaintances, all while professing love of humanity. They always seem to think that everyone's got to follow the rules except them. Wajahad Ali can go on CNN and just cruelly mock half of the country. I mean, not even in that funny a way. It's one joke. It's a one-note joke. And then the minute anybody goes and makes a joke about him, it's the end of the world. He's in trouble. He's vulnerable. He's in, in physical danger. Give me a break. They've always been doing this. Journalists like Felicia Sanmez want to judge people on the worst things you could possibly accuse them of, but they always judge themselves on their best intentions. That's why they want to impeach Trump for possibly doing, for possibly thinking about doing what we know for a fact Joe Biden actually did. It, com it comes all right back to this impeachment trial. In this impeachment, the House Democrats are impeaching Donald Trump for maybe thinking about engaging in a quid pro quo and withholding Ukrainian aid in exchange for a, a Ukraine investigation of Joe Biden. Now, that didn't actually happen. We know for a fact it didn't happen. We don't know for a fact Trump was even thinking it. But the whole reason Trump would have been calling for that investigation in the first place is because Joe Biden actually withheld American aid, threatened to withhold American aid, if Ukraine didn't fire the prosecutor who was investigating his crook son. And yet the left can say perfectly straight faced. Yeah, we need to impeach Trump for that. But Joe Biden, he's perfectly fine. He might be our presidential nominee. Th they can say that they love humanity while not really hating or while not really loving humans because really they just love themselves. And conservatives are pretty much the exact opposite. Conservatives don't really like humanity that much. I'm very skeptical of humanity. I think that human nature is broken. I think it is flawed. We are never, ever going to perfect it. However, I love actual humans. I really like individuals. I really like talking to actual humans. If I can, I'd like to help them out. It's like a perfect flip. You see this President Trump showed this just the other day. President Trump was driving up. He was in his motorcade and he saw that there were a bunch of firefighters waiting to salute him. So he pulled on over and got out of his car. And you can see him. It's kind of obviously a little bit hard to hear in the clip, but you can see him. He pulls over. I'm sure the Secret Service are completely freaking out here. And he walks up to them, and he just starts shaking their hands. You can hear, you can hear one of the firefighters say, like, oh, that's so cool. That's so right. And he does, and he gets back in his car, and he leaves. Now, look, Trump is a good retail politician, and it's cool that this clip went viral, and it was good retail politics. But you see this with Trump a lot. I'm not sure that Trump loves humanity all that much, but when he's talking to individual humans, he really seems to like them. I mean, he finds a way to like Kim Jong-un in North Korea. He finds a way to make friends with enemies, you know, people that he would, would scream at and call horrible names on the campaign trail. But then they kind of get along, and they can... They can be friends later on. One of the other very similar moments from Donald Trump, Trump was uh, getting onto Marine One. He was getting onto the helicopter and the Marine's hat fell off his head. And Trump just casually leans down, picks up the hat for him. This is a minor thing to do. I don't think Trump pre-planned it. I don't think it's part of some grand strategy. It's just the way that people interact. One of the criticisms of Trump's administration is he's not strategic and abstract and cold enough. It's too much about relationships. I think that's, that's the conservative instinct. And frankly, I'd much rather have an instinct in politics of really liking and engaging with individual people, even if it messes up your theories, than an instinct to love humanity in theory and, and hate them in real life. Now, speaking of President Trump, 
The impeachment trial still underway. His legal team is still making their arguments. We heard from Ken Starr. We heard from his other lawyer, Pam Bondi. We heard from a bunch of the Trump team lawyers. I think one of the lawyers working for Trump's legal team, Alan Dershowitz, maybe better than anyone, shot down the Democrats' impeachment case in about three minutes. And Alan Dershowitz, who has been on my show and uh, he's been on other shows that I've guest hosted, you know, I mean, he, he goes on the media a whole lot. I think part of, part of the reason why he was so able to articulate this case is one, because he's very media savvy, and two, because he's actually been the professor for many of the senators who were in that chamber. You know, he's a very well-known Harvard law professor. He's got a relationship with these senators, including Senator Ted Cruz, who's hosting the podcast that I'm co-hosting, Verdict. He gets up there and in three, four minutes, shoots down the whole thing. First, he shot down this idea that John Bolton's book leak is a bombshell. You know, yesterday we heard that the former national security advisor for Trump, John Bolton, in his book accused Trump of engaging in a quid pro quo. This has thrown impeachment into chaos. Alan Dershowitz gets up there and makes the point no one else had made, which is not to dispute the alleged claims in John Bolton's book, but actually just to get up there and say, hey, even if everything John Bolton said is true, it still is not an impeachable offense. Demonstrate the dangers of employing the vague, subjective, and politically malleable phrase abuse of power as a constitutionally permissible criteria for the removal of a president. Now, it follows, it follows from this that if a president, any president, were to have done what the Times reported about the contact of the Bolton manuscript, that would not constitute an impeachable offense. Let me repeat, nothing in the Bolton revelations, even if true, would rise to the level of an abuse of power or an impeachable offense. That is clear from the history. That is clear from the language of the Constitution. You cannot turn conduct that is not impeachable into impeachable conduct simply by using words like quid pro quo and personal benefit. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. The reason that this leak came out right now, right before the Republican senators are going to vote on whether or not to require more witnesses to testify in impeachment, potentially dragging this whole impeachment farce out for weeks and weeks rather than letting it just die on Friday or Saturday. The reason it happened now is because the Democrats failed. They failed to get Trump. They failed to get Trump on Russia. They failed to get Trump on his taxes. They failed to get Trump on Stormy Daniels. They, tried, they failed to get Trump on Ukraine. They had a whole House investigation of Ukraine. They had three potential impeachment articles, vague abuse of power, vague obstruction of Congress, and bribery. They had one actual crime they were accusing him of. They dropped that article because they knew they didn't have him. So now they're just trying to grasp at any straw they can and wait for the most convenient moment to set these leaks to try to pretend like it's a big deal. What Alan Dershowitz says is, not a big deal. Even if this is true, and we don't know if it's true, but even if it is, still not an impeachable offense. Then what Professor Dershowitz does very well is just 
dismantle the whole argument because he showed that if we adopt the House's new standard for impeachment, which is basically if House Democrats don't like the cut of your jib, you're gone, how that would have caused many, many American presidents to be impeached all the way back to George Washington. We'll get to that in a second. First, got to thank our friends at Rock Auto. You know, I said that I, I really wished I had heard of some of my sponsors back when my car just broke down months ago. Rock Auto is one of them that could have saved me a whole lot of money and fortunately can save me a lot of money right now. RockAuto.com is a family business that has been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, which means they've been serving auto parts customers online pretty much since there's been an online. Okay, you can go to RockAuto.com. You can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they've got everything. They've got engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet for everything, whether it's your classic car, it's your daily driver. You can get all of it in a few easy clicks. Now, what I love about it is when I go to an actual, like, brick-and-mortar auto parts store, they never have my part. What they do is they go online. They probably go to rockauto.com, and then they get it in, and then they charge me a whole lot of money. But when I go to rockauto.com, even I, and I don't know anything about cars, I can easily navigate. I can find exactly the parts that I need. And then you can do that too. So right now, head over to rockauto.com. Include the word Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. You will always get reliably low prices. These are great guys, family business to work with, and so easy to navigate. rockauto.com. Right in Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, and there, how did you hear about his box? So, very important that Professor Dershowitz knocks down the John Bolton argument, especially because senators like Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, the squishier Republican senators, they've been using the Bolton bombshell as an excuse to try to drag out impeachment. And Dershowitz says there's really no reason to do that other than you don't like the president. Then he knocks down the House's entire argument, their entire new standard for impeachment, by showing the chaos that it would have wrought in American politics all the way back to George Washington. I will now give you a list of presidents who in our history have been accused of abusing their power, who would be subject to impeachment under the House manager's view of the Constitution. George Washington refusal to turn over documents related to the Jay Treaty, John Adams signing and enforcing the Alien and Sedition Laws, Thomas Jefferson purchasing Louisiana without congressional authorization. I'll go on. John Quincy Adams, Martin Van Buren, John Tyler, arbitrary, despotic, and corrupt use of the veto power. James Polk, here I quote Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln accused Polk of abusing his power of his office, contemptuously disregarding the Constitution, usurping the role of Congress, and assuming the role of dictator. He didn't seek to impeach him. He just sought to defeat him. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was accused of abusing his power for suspending the writ of habeas corpus during the Civil War. President Grant, Grover Cleveland, William McKinley, Theodore Roosevelt, William Taft, Woodrow Wilson, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Truman, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, quote, concerning Iran-Contra. He goes on, he goes on. There are more presidents even after that. They would all have been subject to impeachment if we adopted this new fantasy of the constitutional requirement that the House Democrats are coming up with now. I've been saying this since the very beginning of impeachment. You know, there are some conservatives out there who say that we don't use impeachment enough, that actually 
the House of Representatives should impeach more presidents. They should take more power back into the House. I don't want that. I think that's a terrible idea. I don't think that we need to give more power to the legislature. I think we've given a lot of power to the legislature, and frankly, the legislature has given a lot of that power away. We cannot, we should not get into a situation where the president is serving at the pleasure of the House of Representatives. Some of the greatest presidents, perhaps all of the greatest presidents in American history, would have been thrown out of office because of that. We must have order in this country. You know, the argument that some conservatives make for using impeachment more is that it gives us more liberty. The House of Representatives is more accountable to the American people because they're elected every two years. They, they know their districts. And so therefore, we should give more power to them. That's not a real kind of liberty. You know, the only way that we can enjoy the blessings of liberty, as we call them, is if we have a stable government. You don't get to enjoy blessings of liberty if you don't have a stable government. And if you get into a situation where we're just impeaching every president the minute that a different party gets into the House of Representatives, if you get in there to that situation, you are not going to have any kind of stability whatsoever. Now, speaking of the presidency, and we have a lot of 2020 news to get to, but first, while the pro-abortion activists are shouting their abortions on national TV and referring to pre-born babies as parasites, pro-lifers are fighting back. All of us here at The Daily Wire have spoken out for life. Last year, Ben Shapiro addressed a crowd of 100,000 at the March for Life in Washington, D.C. Our advertisers, as a result of those actions, were targeted by left-wing fake media watchdogs and operatives. And we lost a lot of revenue from that. This is a constant battle to protect pro-life advocacy from the forces of abortion. Another group that has experienced this is Live Action. Live Action is one of the most important voices in the pro-life movement. They've helped to expose Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics for the horrific crimes they commit. Pro-abortion activists have targeted Live Action and censored them on social media platforms when they don't succeed in kicking them off altogether. That's why our Daily Wire members are so important. Your membership helps keep our cameras on. It keeps our microphones turned up, even when the left is pressuring our sponsors. You can keep the pro-life message from being canceled from now until January 31st. A portion of any DailyWire.com membership will be donated to Live Action with the promo code LiveAction. So head on over to DailyWire.com, sign up, and make your voice heard. Head over to DailyWire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. All right. 2020 news. Elizabeth Warren is probably coming to the end of the line here. Poor old Liawatha, just not going to make it over the finish line if the polls are to be believed. And I think Liz Warren knows that too. She knows her campaign is in serious trouble. She's way down in Iowa. She's way down in New Hampshire. If she pulls an upset, then she's back in the race. But if she really gets clobbered in both those states, it's hard to see how she comes back, especially in New Hampshire, which is right in her backyard, right near Massachusetts. So this could be the end. Liz Warren is throwing a Hail Mary here. She's pretending that she has already won the nomination and she is launching an ad directly against Donald Trump. He grew up in a mansion in New York City. She grew up here in Oklahoma. He got millions from his dad's real estate empire. Her dad ended up a janitor. He scammed students at his for-profit school. She got debts forgiven for students who were scammed. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. Trump's life taught him how to get rich on the backs of others. 
Elizabeth Warren will be a president who works for you. I'm Elizabeth Warren, and I approve this message. So this would be a desperate play, regardless of how the actual content of the ad turned out. But how tone deaf to make the thesis of the ad when someone shows you who they are, believe them? Uh, Okay, well, is Elizabeth Warren a Cherokee who (laughs) submits recipes for powwow chow? Oh, no, she's a liar and a fraud and the whitest woman in America who pretended to be a minority for decades to advance her own career at the expense of minorities. Is that when Elizabeth Warren tells you that her kid goes to public school, don't believe her because she's lying to you. (laughs) When Elizabeth Warren tells you she was fired for being pregnant as a teacher, uh, don't believe her because she lied about that, too. And she lies about just about everything. It's a really pathetic ad. Campaigns do this when they get to the end of the line, when they need to throw a Hail Mary. So what they'll do is pretend to be very confident. You know, you'll see candidates uh, start running ads against the general election opponent. You'll see them talking about their cabinet that they're going to fill or their running mate. Or the, and, and that you do it because you need something. You need any momentum to try to stave off what is usually the inevitable, and it would seem to be the inevitable for Elizabeth Warren. Nobody is happier about that than Hillary Clinton, who I think would probably have to go get Liz Warren epstein if Warren became the first female president instead of Hillary. So Hillary Clinton is making the rounds right now. She's promoting a documentary about herself, her favorite subject, and she is attacking Bernie Sanders. She's saying, you know, she's trying to downplay the attacks on Bernie a little bit, but she's still getting them in there. And in interviews, she's saying, Initially, she said nobody likes Bernie Sanders and he's never accomplished anything in his life. Now she's just saying, I think it's important to look at somebody's record and look at what they've gotten done and see whether you agree with them or not. And then, of course, the question comes to her, is she going to run for office? And she cannot possibly quell her urge to be president. I know that you're not running, but do you ever feel the urge that, like, I could beat him if I were or, like, I wish I, you know, yeah, I, I, I certainly feel the urge because I, I feel like the 2016 election was um, really an odd, uh, an odd time and an odd outcome. And the more we learn, the more that seems to be the case. But I'm going to support the people who are running now and do everything I can to help elect uh, the Democratic nominee. Classic Hillary. She's implying here not so subtly that the 2016 election was rigged and illegitimate. That's what she means by odd. And she says, the more we learn, the the odder it seems, which is just not true. Initially, they said that Trump conspired with Russia to steal the election. And that was completely disproven by a two and a half year, $32 million investigation that you and I all paid for. Anyway, I digress. The reason that Hillary is able to get these kind of hints in. She's able to talk about how she really wants to run for president now. The reason that reporters are even asking her about it is because the Democratic field is so weak, because they don't really have anybody. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, who was once considered a, a bright star in this field, is really fading. She's fading in the polls. She's fading in the minds of the elites who were promoting her on television and elsewhere. So she's throwing the Hail Marys. Pete Buttigieg, he's also dropping in the polls. He's not doing very well. We spoke yesterday about how he's really not ready for prime time. Now it's coming down to Bernie and Biden. And and Biden, the House Democrats, pretty much threw him under the bus the other day during the impeachment trial. It's because Biden just doesn't have what it takes. Biden's eyeball is exploding and his teeth are falling out on the debate stage. Doesn't really set you up. And that's, that's before you even look at his record, which is pretty unimpressive. 
He's run for president twice, lost both times. One time had to drop out for being a plagiarist and a liar. So that leaves Bernie Sanders, who honeymooned in the Soviet Union. Nearly 80 years old, videos of him singing communist folk songs with the Ruskies, shirtless, swilling vodka in the Soviet Union. So they're really in a terrible spot. And Hillary Clinton is a fairly attractive candidate in this spot now. We're all hoping that she runs because it would be so, so incredibly funny to beat her again. But unfortunately, I think she knows that that ship has sailed as well. On to the culture, beyond the politics, on to the culture, and maybe back into the politics then. Drag Queen Story Hour is coming to a public school near you. Those of us who pay attention to the culture predicted this. We told you it would happen. We were told that we were being hysterical, that what a ridiculous argument. It's just at a couple libraries. It's not going to schools. It's going to schools. The left-wingers and the squishy right-wingers initially said, this is no big deal. Some people even said that Drag Queen Story Hour, which is this phenomenon of drag queens twerking for little toddlers at libraries, they called it a blessing of liberty. Don't know what kind of blessing that would be, but that's what they said. More tradition-minded conservatives knew that was BS. That is never how the culture war works. It never stays contained. It always spreads. The leftist culture war always starts from a position of individual rights and privacy. So what, what they usually begin with is they say, hey, what people do behind closed doors, that's none of your business. Okay, what people do in their own bedrooms, that's none of your business. Then the private quickly becomes the public. All of a sudden it's, hey, what people do in their local library, that's none of your business. Hey, what people do in all the libraries in San Francisco, that's none of your business. Hey, what people do in states all around the country, that's none of your business. Pretty soon, it's the whole culture. The private becomes public. You know, the left told us this in the 1960s. One of the slogans of the feminists in particular, but many of the left-wing radicals in the 60s was, the personal is the political, which means that the private is the public. What is private and personal to me is actually a political statement. And that is where politics can be fought because that will affect what we do in public. So that's what happened with, with so-called gay rights, right? It turned quickly from an acceptance and a tolerance of homosexuality, which was the argument in the 90s and the 2000s, into fundamentally redefining marriage. And if you don't accept this radical redefinition of marriage, you're a bigot, you could lose your job, you could be excluded from public life. Happened with transgender ideology. Initially it was, hey, be nice to people, be nice to men who wear dresses. I don't think anyone disagreed with that. All of a sudden it became abolishing same-sex bathrooms, abolishing the girls' locker room. Little girls have to change next to grown men now. Very quickly. Same thing is happening with Drag Queen Story Hour. Same exact formula. The left proposes a radical change. Conservatives point to the slippery slope, then the left mocks us for talking about the slippery slope, and before you know it, not five minutes later, we are way, way down that slippery slope. We're exactly where we said that we would be. Drag Queen Story Hour starts in San Francisco in 2015, starts because a queer author, self-described, I'm not using any sort of epithets, Michelle T. Uh, organized the first Drag Queen Story Hour in San Francisco. Now Drag Queen Story Hour on its website boasts of 45 independently operated chapters across the U.S., New York, Washington, Chicago, many other cities. Now it's leaving the libraries and it's entering schools. It's entering schools 
all the way up to 12th grade and all the way back to pre-K, earlier than kindergarten. One teacher who's had Drag Queen Story Hour in his school said, quote, Drag Queen Story Hour gave my first graders a fun and interactive platform to talk and think about social and emotional issues like acceptance, being yourself, and loving who you are. Not necessarily a bad thing. He goes on. During our debrief, students were preaching the incredible lessons they had learned, like, it's okay to be different. Okay, depends on what we mean by different. It's not okay to be evil. It's not okay to, like, punch your classmate. I guess that'd be different. But it's okay to certainly be a different color, be a different sex, be a different personality. Sure, okay. And, the teacher goes on, there is no such thing as boy and girl things. No such thing. Now, that's a little bit different. There's no. What do you mean there's no such? You're saying there's no such thing as boys and girls then. If there's no such thing as things that pertain to boys and girls, then there's no such thing as boys and girls. That's some pretty radical stuff. It's both untrue and also psychologically potentially very, very damaging to kids who are three and four years old. And that is the agenda of Drag Queen Story Hour, as I and many others have been telling you for months now, as the left and the squishy conservatives were mocking us. Beyond the Drag Queen Story Hour, here's a lesson, a lesson plan from a public school in Brooklyn, just reported in the New York Post. This is from pre-K, preschool, at PS58. Quote, Everybody has the right to choose their own gender by listening to their own heart and mind. Everyone gets to choose if they are a boy or a girl, or both, or neither, or something else. That's from a lesson plan at a public school in Brooklyn. Now, the usual conservative response here is not enough. Because the, the, here's the usual conservative response, at least in the kind of libertarian conservative culture we live in. The left pushes a radical agenda. And then conservatives, rather than pushing back, retreat into their own private spheres. So, for instance, the left pushes this radical agenda into the public schools, and what do conservatives do? Do they duke it out on the field of the public school? No, they retreat into private school, or they retreat into homeschool. The the private school and the homeschool movement, great thing, all for it. But you also have to fight the actual battle that's being waged, which is in the public schools. If you don't, then the left simply dominates the culture. Often, conservatives are fond of saying, Politics is downstream of culture, which is true. However, politics also affects culture. Politics has a big effect on our culture. Look at even how economic policies can affect culture. We see that we saw this in the Soviet Union. We see this after Ronald Reagan liberalized the, the economic policies in the United States. We had flourishing. We had thriving. Saw this in the Great Society. The economic policies in the 1960s and 70s wrought crazy effects all over the culture. It is not enough to say, hey, conservatives can just private school. They can just go to homeschool. Do you know how many students are homeschooled in America? 1.6 million. That's cool. I mean, good for them. Glad. I hope, hopefully they're getting a good education. Glad that people have more control over their own kids' education. Only 1.6 million. You know how many kids go to private school? 5.8 million. It's good. It's more obviously more than go, go to a home school, still 5.8 million. Do you know how many students go to public school in the United States? More than 50 million. 1.6, 
5.8, 50 million. So if conservatives, if all we do is retreat into our own little culture, into our own little institutions and cede all the big institutions to the left, then that, that will be the fastest way to lose the culture. And it's been our strategy for at least 50, 60 years now, and it hasn't worked out well. And the left's argument is BS anyway. Here's how you can fight the argument. The pro-Drag Queen Story Hour type people say that we need to let Drag Queen Story Hour into public schools because that's just neutral. You know, that's just exposing students to new ideas, and we want students to be exposed to all sorts of ideas. We don't teach them what to think. We teach them how to think, which is a completely meaningless statement and BS. You cannot teach someone without teaching them what to think. You cannot teach history without teaching people what to think about history. You can present different arguments, but ultimately, one of those arguments is going to be more persuasive than the other. You can't teach people mathematics without teaching them what to think about mathematics. You can't teach people language without teaching them what to think about language. Okay, they start from that premise. It's just neutral. Just let that idea in. Okay, well, what do you think they would say if you suggested teaching the Bible in schools? Or if you suggested opening school each day with a prayer, as we did throughout the United States until about 60 years ago? Do you think they would say, oh, of course. Well, yeah, because we have this neutral ground and absolutely we want all these ideas. We don't want to limit anybody's exposure to ideas. I mean, especially the Bible, which is the single most important book ever written and without which you can't understand anything else in our culture. Do you think, do you think they would say that? I don't think they would say that. I think they would do as they've done for 50, 60 years and get both of those things straight out of the public schools. Their argument is disingenuous. The key here is that liberalism is not neutral. We need to fight back and stop ceding these institutions and arguments to the left. The left does not have your best interests at heart. They might prattle on about how much they love humanity, but they don't seem to care very much for actual humans, and you and your children are the actual humans who could be harmed by this leftist culture. If we don't fight back, we're just going to find ourselves further and further and further down that slippery slope. Hope I don't have to see you there. That's our show. We got a lot more to get to, but you know, we'll get to it tomorrow. We'll also get to it later on tonight on the number one podcast in America, Verdict with Ted Cruz, which I have the wonderful opportunity to co-host. So we'll see you there or we'll see you back here tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Director, Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Jesua Olvera. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm.